Okay, Father, I just thank you for this day, for this time, for this season. I thank you for the body of believers, the body of Christ that comes together. I thank you, God, that you just show us, give us gifts and talents and resources, one for the other, that we can stand one for the other and with you, in agreement with you, God. Father, today as I teach on connections, on relationships, both holy and destructive, I pray, Father, for your anointing, Holy Spirit, that this is you, it's your word, it's your truth. And I pray, God, that your word of truth sets us free, keeps us free, and allows us to walk in freedom every day of our lives. In Jesus' holy name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so today we are doing session seven of our Master Gardening series. I'm going to start with a couple uh, scriptures about our gardener, the gardener of our heart. We've been talking about our soul being our, our garden, the garden of our heart. We're spirit and soul and body. And we've been talking a lot about the soul, the garden of our heart. So listen to the scripture. This is James 1.21 from the Message Bible. So throw all spoiled virtue and cancerous evil into the garbage. That could be the lie of the enemy. That could be fear. That could be what we're talking about today, which is entanglements or soul um, ties. Throw the junk. Get rid of the evil. The enemy's the, you know, he's a deceiver, but he's been defeated and we have authority. So throw it in the garbage. In simple humility, in submission, in humility, let our gardener, God, landscape you with the word, making a salvation garden of your life. Isn't that a good scripture? That's from the message. That's the message translation. God's talking about the word, the truth, enabling our garden of our heart to be a salvation garden. Remember salvation. The word salvation is an all-encompassing word. That means the entire provision that God has provided for us through, through Jesus' death and resurrection. And it includes healing. It includes wholeness in every area of our life. The second scripture I was reading this morning, this is, um, Kent, this isn't on the, the slideshow. This is John chapter 15, starting with verse 1. Jesus says, I am the vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Again, he's talking about gardening. Any branch in me that does not bear fruit, that stops bearing, he cuts away, he trims off and takes away. And he cleanses and repeatedly prunes every branch that continues to bear fruit to make it bear more and richer and more excellent fruit. You are cleansed and pruned already because of the word which I've given you, the teachings I've discussed with you. So God says, I love you. I want to help you. I, and he does, he prunes. He prunes away the bad, but he also prunes the good to make it even better. And I would even say that what Aaron lived through this past week was God was using that to prune and to develop her and to grow her even stronger and even more fruitful in her life. He's done that with so many of us through the walks that we have walked through, hasn't he? 
So God is the gardener of our heart. Over the, over the past several weeks, we've looked at um, how he has guarded, how his, his will is for us to be whole. And as the master gardener, we come into um, interdependence. I'm going to talk about that a lot today. Interdependence with him to grow stronger so that we can be launched into the destiny that he has for us. So that we can use the treasures, the gold, the gifts that he's placed in us, the callings on our lives, whatever that is to, to um, flourish and to be fruitful. Just completely lost my train of thought, but that's totally okay. Okay, got it. So we've looked at some of those roots. The first root we looked at was the root of woundedness. And we looked at the healing, God's healing, lays in forgiveness, letting go of holding on to bitter roots, forgiving and letting go. And there's freedom in that. The second root we looked at was the root of lies, the deception of the enemy. He's a deceiver. He's an accuser, but he's been stripped of his authority to accuse. But we need to know that and replace lies with truth. The third root that we looked at was the root of fear, the root of fear. And we, we looked at the, the power of the soul. And if we, if with our soul, with our mind, our will, and our emotions, if we agree with God, the finished work of the cross, then the creative power of the cross can flow from the spiritual realm through our soul and into our lives. But if we buy the lie of the deception and the fear and the enemy's plan to steal, kill, and destroy, then our soul is in agreement with the negative and the destructive power of fear is what we receive into our soul and it's evidenced in our life. So we looked at that root. Today we're looking at the fourth root. And the title of our, um, of our session is called Entanglements. You might want to put a subtitle under there, which is Soul Ties. We're going to look at, at relationships and how they can be, how God's plan is for them to be very, very healthy and whole. But they're not always healthy and whole. And we can have soul ties or entanglements with people that can get in the way of God's best for our life. We want freedom. I want freedom for you. I want freedom for me and the absolute wholeness of life that Jesus has died for. So let's get into this. First of all, the definition of a soul tie is when two souls, remember our souls are our mind, our will, and our emotions. When two souls are knit together, and that can be a very good thing, but it can also be a destructive thing. Soul ties keep you connected with another person spiritually or intellectually or emotionally or psychologically or mentally and sometimes even socioeconomically. So it draws you together and keeps you connected with another. So the first thing I want to talk about is God's plan, his ordained plan. Healthy soul ties. Holy, healthy soul ties. Um, I've got two words that um, are kind of define these in, the, in the, the natural sense, the way that the world describes it. One is synergetic. Synergetic means working together or cooperative. But the other word I like better. The other word is symbionic. And I just learned what this word means. Symbionic. A symbionic relationship means 
interdependent. Interdependent. So a good, healthy, interdependent relationship is when two are connected to another in a way that is very healthy and mutually beneficial. In this kind of a relationship, this healthy, holy relationship, each person contributes to the other's success. Each person contributes to the other's destiny and vision and prosperity and growth and development. And they're better because of each other. They're even better. I want to show you an example of this in the Bible. This is uh, between Jonathan and King David, before David became king. Jonathan's dad was Saul, King Saul. And Saul was king before David took over. Saul fell because of um, issues in his life. And he fell and he was no longer king. And David was raised into the position of kingship. He was anointed. He was chosen by the Lord. He was anointed and he entered into the kingship. Jonathan was actually the son of King Saul. And it would have been his rightful position to take the place of the king after his father. But that's not what happened because God had a different plan. But that didn't matter because Jonathan and David formed this special bond. And this is what I'm going to read right now. Chapter 18. I might have numbered it wrong. Verse 1 is what I have down. But it might be wrong because then it says 18 in my, in my um, scripture. But anyway, it's in First Samuel. Now when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. So these two people, their souls were knitted together. And they continued to be very close-knit throughout the remainder of Jonathan's life. And even after Jonathan died, David, King David, cared for Jonathan's family, his son and, and his family, because of this connection that he had made, this healthy soul connection that he had made. So what I want to share now are different healthy, holy connections, relationships. The first and the most important Tom already referenced, and when he said it, it was like, God, I just am always just, just undone by how you, Holy Spirit, just work. The first connection is between us and our Father, between God and his children. His design is so perfect. It is interdependent. His relationship with us is interdependent. With our relationship with God and his relationship with us, we are better. We are stronger. It is mutually abiding. Because of my relationship with God, I have that that strength. I have, I have vision. I have destiny. I have calling. And, and he's there to help me step into it. He loves to dream with us. He loves to take our desires and get right alongside us and say, okay, go girl. And encourage us and, and give us the ability and the strength and the courage to take off and do it. But it works the other way too. He's blessed by us. We're his hands. We're his feet. We're his voice here on this earth. And he loves to work through us. This is interdependence. 
you know, when I first started thinking that way, it was, it was a paradigm shift for me. Because yes, of course, we can look to God and, and, and seek Him and know that we need Him. But for, to look at it the other way around is a whole nother picture. To know that God loves us. That He, in a way, needs us to carry out His mission on the earth. We're interdependent. There is a grafting in, in my heart, in my soul, of his heart and his soul. There's a knitting together. There's a scripture, there's many scriptures, I've done a whole teaching on this, that Christ is in us and we are in Christ. That is a knitting together, Christ in me. And me in him. That's biblical truth. This healthy connection also takes place in the natural. I'm going to give you several examples. The first one is that between a husband and wife. In a healthy relationship, the way God ordained it, marriage is a really good thing. And the two members of the marriage, with God at the center, there is a symbiotic relationship, a healthy, mutually beneficial relationship where um, each person contributes to the other person's success, to the other person's destiny, to the vision, to their prosperity, to their growth, to their enjoyment. I think about Kent and I, and I know I talk about my husband a lot, but he's my example. (laughs) I have to. I have no other example in a marriage. I have an amazing husband, and you guys know that. But one of the things that I tell even my kids and other people when I'm talking to them about marriage, one of the key components, I believe, one of them, there's many, but one of the key components in a marriage is the desire to give just because you love that person. It's not to get anything in return. You give to give. You give just because you love to give. And I'm not talking material things, although it can be. But I'm talking about giving of time, giving of help, giving of encouragement, giving of of security, giving of whatever it is that that person needs at that moment. And that's what Ken and I do for each other. The simplest thing to the biggest thing. If, If he gets up in the morning, usually in our morning time is our quiet time with God. So he's very respectful of my time with God. But he'll he'll take a peek over where I'm sitting in my chair and he'll if I don't have coffee, he goes right in and gets me a cup of coffee. You know, he just does it. Um, I do the same thing for him. If, I'm, if he's sitting in his chair reading and I see his coffee cup's empty, I go fill it up for him. You know, it's not, it's not well, you know, it's my turn. He did it for me. I have to do it for him. No, it's just because you love him. We, we do things for one another. Like um, one, of the, one of my love languages, one of the things I love to do for people is cook for them. I love to cook for them and I love to cook things that they love. So that's what I do. I love to say, oh, what does Kent like? And I, or what is my son like? Because now that, I'm, now that Kent is working with Adam, I send food to them almost every day for lunch. So I make extra at night, and then I send it the next day. And I just love to do that. So it's just giving to give. It's, it's mutually beneficial. If you look at Kent and I, one of the things that I tell people is that we fill in each other's blanks. He has huge giftings. I would not be... What I am without my husband, 
I need him. He is so strong in so many areas. In this ministry, we couldn't be taking the, the, the message to the world without him. He couldn't be doing what he's doing without me. We're mutually benefit, benefiting each other. That's a healthy symbiotic relationship. Marriages aren't always that healthy. They can be. That's God's best. That's God's will. But they're not always that way. And we're going to talk about the unholy part later. Another healthy soul relationship is often between children and their, and their parents. They can be. A parent has the potential to take that gift that's in the child and encourage it and, and help the child to develop it and bless them in it. And then as they grow stronger and stronger in their gifts and in their, their developing, whatever it is as they get older, then the parents kind of step back and let the child just, you know, take off on their own. And it's healthy and it's good. The children grow up strong and healthy like that. And it also benefits the parents. What a gift to be able to be a parent and watch your children grow up and, and see what they become. It's pretty amazing. And then you get to be a grandparent, and it's even better. So we're blessed as well. It's mutually beneficial. I wouldn't be who I am today if I hadn't been a mother of three children. I wouldn't be who I am today without being a wife to Kent. You know, it has, it has put us in a different place because of this synergetic relationship as a mama, as a wife. Another example of a symbiotic relationship is two really close friends like Jonathan and David. A few weeks ago, um, our pastor was teaching on relationships. And one of the things he taught on was the importance of having that kind of a friend, a friend that, it, that holds you accountable, a friend that, that strengthens you because of the friendship, a friend that you can lean on but that you can also pour into. And it's important to have that kind of a person in your life. When we were driving home from our, our church that day, Kent and I were talking about it, and I said, Kent, you know, you and I are, have an amazing friendship as well as marriage. But I said, I feel like that's something that I really need. You know, I'm a, I have a busy life, and I really haven't fit a friend into my life. I have people that I can rely on. Thank you, Jesus. I have people that I can go to when I'm in need, but I don't have that kind of a friend. And so I went to God. I went to God. And I said, okay, God, I want a friend. You know, and I just started putting all these people in my mind and he gave me the person to connect with. And we've already connected and have started this, this developing this, this, I believe, healthy, good, relationship where we can where we can contribute to one another's success where we can contribute to one another's destiny and growth in our walk and our lives the last um kind of uh holy healthy relationship i want to talk about is joint ministry ventures this is a fun one for me to talk about because i've just witnessed this in my life so much especially with fran and tom so Fran and Tom have been with us in the healing ministry for, oh, probably five, six years, 
something like that. Before that, there was a season as well, but since you, you've come back together, I think it's been about five or six years. And we have been so blessed to be together, Fran and Tom and Kent and I. And this is what, we're, this is what we do for one another. We hold one another accountable. We, we um, encourage one another. We ask questions one of the other. We hold one and we, um, I already said that. We pray for one another. We work together well. And now, in this season, we're seeing Fran and Tom launched into this new calling. Well, it's not a new calling, but they just stepped into the calling that has been on their lives. They're stepping into the calling of being pastors. Oh my gosh, when they first told us, we were so excited. We're still so excited. But that first time they told us, it was like, yes, yes, yes. And the same thing with them, with us. So we have this, this um, uh, joint ministry venture where we're better because of them. And I believe they're better in their calling because of us, because of the relationship that we've had together. We, we're, we're partnering with their ministry just as you're partnering with our ministry because we believe in them and we're so excited to see what's happening. We want to sow into that ground. We have a couple other ministries. Well, we only have one other ministry that we partner with, which is Andrew Womack's ministry. Actually, two, because Pastor Shane's ministry. We, we partner with Great Lakes as well. So we partner with Great Lakes. We know this is good ground. We partner with Andrew Womack's because we know that's good ground. Andrew Walmack has poured so much into us. He doesn't know it personally, but his ministry has poured so much into us because of the teaching and the, the excellent books and the resources. A lot of what I teach, a lot of what I teach, has been fed and, and deepened in me because of Andrew Walmack's ministry. So we partner financially into that ministry. We have two churches that we're, that we're um, connected with, mutually um, symbiotically connected with Rochester Christian Church and Res Life Church in Big Rapids. Those are the churches that we're fed at. That's where, we, that's where we're shepherded. That's where we're cared for by our pastors. And we give back, both financially and through, you know, serving. We serve in both churches. We teach studies in both churches. We, we pray on the altar team in both churches. So we pour in as well. It's mutual and it's strong, and we're better because of those, those ministries. And they're blessed, I believe, because of our you know, heart in them and our, our um, service or whatever we do in those, those ministries. So that's healthy. That's God's plan. What I would like to expose and unroot now are the unhealthy or the destructive soul ties or entanglements. It's really important, and the Bible says this, it's really important to whom or to what you become yoked. The most evil component of a destructive soul tie is not how it binds, but how it blinds. A destructive soul tie can hold us in bondage, and we might not even realize that we're trapped in it. So I'm going to um, just briefly just give a picture of seven different destructive soul ties. Now the good news, and we're going to get to the good news in just a minute after we talk about these destructive soul ties. The good news is you already saw what God's good plan is. 
That's his plan for you. That's his plan for me. And if you realize that you have some, some soul ties or entanglements that aren't in his plan, you can make a choice to step out of them, get healed, get free, and then put up a boundary and be safe. We are going to be breaking off destructive soul ties at the end of this session and walking in freedom. Okay. So the first destructive soul tie are unholy sexual soul ties. God is a good plan for sexual intimacy. He created it. It's a good thing. The act of sexual intimacy, according to God's word, is not just limited to your physical body. It involves your entire being. To know a person in the biblical sense, the word know is the word yada. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. And it literally means to become one. It's to know that person in such a way that you become one with that person. The word know in the Bible is often used when a man knows a woman and they conceive a child. So that's a pretty intimate knowing. So this scripture, Matthew 10, verses 7 and 8, is God's plan. God's good, excellent plan. He says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother to establish a home with his wife, and the two shall become one, shall become one flesh, so that they're no longer two, but are united as one flesh. So when you engage in physical, sexual relationship with anyone, you actually share a piece of yourself with them. You share not just physically, but you share a piece of your soul with them and their soul with you. God designed marriage to be the the place for this intimacy. And whenever, whenever adultery or fornication are outside of the marriage, whenever sexual intimacy is outside of the marriage, it always, always results in powerfully destructive attachments. I'm going to read you a scripture. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 15 through 20. Now, in this scripture, God is talking about becoming one with a prostitute. Now, we're not, I'm not necessarily talking about that here, but anything that's outside of the marriage is considered um, adultery or fornication, and it falls in the same realm as when God talks about the prostitute. So it starts with verse 15. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Am I therefore to take the members of Christ and make them part of a prostitute? Certainly not. And then here's where he tells why. Do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her? For he says the two shall be one flesh. But the one who is united and joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. And then verse 18 says, run away from sexual immorality in any form, whether thought or behavior, whether visual or written. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the one who is sexually immoral sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is within you, whom you have received as a gift from God, and that you are not your own property? You were bought with a price. You were actually purchased with the precious blood of Jesus and made his own. So then, honor and glorify God with your body. So 
these soul ties that ha- can happen during sexual relations bind, can be binding. Remember, it's not, um, it's not just how it binds, but how it blinds. And, and issues or stuff from the soul of that destructive relationship can be exchanged into your soul and vice versa. Part of you can go into them. There's an exchange in every part, not just the physical part. So unholy sexual soul ties can be a tie that you want to break if there's been those things in your past or even in your present. The next kind of unhealthy soul tie, uh, the title on your your, um, handout is Independence versus Interdependence. Interdependence is healthy. That's what we already talked about. But I am going to contrast it with independence. So first I'm going to show you scripturally what God says is good. Philippians 2, verses 3 through 5. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit through factional motives or strife, but with an attitude of humility, being neither arrogant nor self-righteous, regard others as more important than yourself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this same attitude in yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus. Look to him as your example of selfless humility. Look at how Jesus gave. Look at how he poured into others. And then Galatians 5.14 sums up the whole law in one commandment. And this is what he says. For the whole law concerning human relationships, and that's what we're talking about today, connections and relationships. The whole law concerning human relationships is fulfilled in one precept. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That is, you shall have an unselfish concern for others and do things for their benefits. So let me show you two components, two healthy components of a relationship where you have Um, an interdependent love, interdependent expression of love. And then I'm going to contrast it with independence. The first component of interdependent love is service. When we value others as we do ourselves, we choose to lay down our own preferences to serve someone else. That's what I told you a little bit ago about Kent and I. But it's not one-sided. The people with whom you are in relationship with should also lay down their preferences and want the best for you. So it's that whole concept of loving to give just because you love the person. Giving to give. The second component of that interdependence is the ability to receive. Gratefully receive and and say thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. And ask for help. Kent and I, of course, we've been married a long time, but I know I need to ask for help. And he asked me if I need help and vice versa. He asked me for help for certain things. Many times when this is, this is, he's growing in this, but he'll try to do a project without any help when I'm right there. And it would be much easier if he would just ask. But I'm busy with whatever I'm doing. And I tell him, I say, Kent, if you need help, please ask me. 
but I do that because I really mean it. I want to be there to help him if he needs me. And he's getting better at that, where he will ask for help and not try to do it all on his own. And he gets upset with me, and he should, if I am so um, focused on getting something done that I get stressed when he's right there to help me and I don't ask him. So that's part of a good interdependent relationship. Not only giving, but also receiving and asking for help. Now, here's the destructive one. A sign of a a destructive soul tie is the opposite of that. A sign of a destructive soul tie is an independent spirit that says you don't need anyone else to be happy, that you don't need somebody else's help, that you don't need anyone to get that job done. In fact, you might not even want help because it won't be done the right way. Probably, if that is something that's going on in you, there was a catalyst, there was an experience, there was uh, something that caused you to make that decision, to withdraw into that place of independence instead of interdependence. I'm going to tell you through experience, you can change. You can let go of that independent spirit. I used to be that independent person. And I learned that that's not the healthiest way to live. I learned to delegate. I learned to ask for help. I learned to let things go. I learned to not care if it wasn't done exactly the way that I wanted it to be done. Uh, I need to work on that one a little more, though, don't I, Kent? (laughs) I'm thinking about when I'm cooking. Okay, cut it just like this. Okay, do it just like this. And if he doesn't, I say, oh, no, let me show you. (laughs) I'll work on that one, babe. Maybe. I will work on that one. I will. Okay, so a sign of a destructive soul tie is that 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 independent spirit. I'm going to give you an example of that in the socioeconomic area. And it's the, in the area of the feminist movement. We see it out there. It is an independent spirit that says, I can do this alone. Now, maybe I can do it alone, but is that the best? No, interdependence. The body of Christ is God's plan. The feminist movement literally says, this is who we are. We can do this alone. And, and there's, there's almost an anger around the movement instead of saying, let's do this together. And if a male happens to be part of that plan, oh, that's okay. So that's, a, I, that's a, an example of a socioeconomic soul tie that is running rampant in our nation. So that's another uh, toxic soul tie, is independence, this independent spirit. The next one I want to talk about is the opposite of independence, and it's called enmeshment. Enmeshment occurs when one person becomes overly involved in the details of another person's life or marriage or personal relationship. And the, the, the person whose life is being enmeshed lets it happen, lets it happen. Boundaries are very cloudy. There's not clear boundaries. There needs to be boundaries, but there's not. Um, the ex- my, my example of this um, that I see the most in the world right now is in the area of grown children with parents who's, um, who the parents are enmeshed in the children's lives. When the, remember I told you about the healthy 
um, uh, relationship that God has planned between parents and children where you help them to grow into their destiny and then kind of back up and just watch them unfold. And then if they need you, you go back in and encourage them and help them however needed, and then you back up and let them go on their own. But an enmeshed relationship isn't like that. With an enmeshed relationship, the parents are controlling, manipulating, not letting the children, the grown children, be grown. And it can be very, very um, damaging. And um, I'm not a psychologist, so I'm just giving you a little snapshot of each of these. The next one that I wanted to share is competition with others versus contending for others. Contending for others is good. Contending for others means fighting for others, loving others, um, being uh, supporting of others. That's good. Contending with others for others is good, but competition isn't God's best. So I'm going to read some scriptures. The first one is Romans 12, 15. God says, rejoice with those who rejoice, sharing others' joy, and weep with those who weep, sharing others' grief. That is a a, a healthy relationship, just loving each other, being there for them. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 and 5 is another beautiful scripture about a good, healthy relationship. Love endures with patience and serenity. Love is kind and thoughtful. It's not jealous or envious. Love does not brag. It's not proud or arrogant. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not provoked nor overly sensitive and easily angered. It does not take into account a wrong endured. That's a Christ-like character. It's displayed when we genuinely celebrate the successes of others. And we refuse to display a hint of jealousy when they prosper. That's what that Corinthian scripture says. But competition is the opposite. Competition is the opposite. So if I take that Corinthian scripture, competition is not patient. It is not kind. It is not thoughtful. It is not jeal- it is jealous and envious. It brags. It's proud. It's arrogant. It can be rude. It can be self-seeking. It can be easily provoked, easily angered, and taken into account wrong. Competition often thrives in our most enduring and closest relationships. Often it's those that we feel the closest to where our fiercest wrath comes out. And there's backbiting and, and, and contention. Now, I'm not talking about healthy competition like playing sports and things like that. I'm talking about um, a, a relationship that is destructive and hurtful instead of contending for others and being empathetic and loving and, and not jealous or not rude or not kind. You're doing the opposite. I think I just twisted some of those words around, but you get the picture. Okay. The next destructive soul tie is codependency. Uh, The codependent relationship is when one member of the relationship learns behaviors that they need or they think they need in order to survive in a relationship that has a lot of emotional pain or stress. And in that codependent relationship, one person has excessive control 
or excessive demands or excessive needs and the other person tries the bat their best to to meet all of those needs in order to have um, what they think is a healthy relationship but it actually isn't so it's like being careful um, like walking on eggshells so that there's not a problem or um, um, covering things up so that it just doesn't seem so big those kind of situations codependency it often happens when there's an uh, uh, an addiction or um, an emotional um, sickness in one member or both members of the relationship codependency the next one is called parasitic relationship a parasite is an organism that grows feeds and is sheltered on or within a different organism while contributing nothing to the survival of the host that's what a parasite is so a parasitic relationship has one individual who takes advantage of the other individual the generosity or the the other person without offering anything in return this is something um, that I can relate to um, and how can I say this with without sounding harsh in the ministry I love to minister I love to mentor that's why we have that orange sheet out there we give you our phone numbers we want to be there for you I pour into a lot of people and I love to do that God is there's a scripture that says um, you have freely received now freely give and I do I freely give but there have been times when that has happened this this parasitic relationship where somebody um, it's it's not healthy where they call and they ask and they want prayer and they call and they ask and they want prayer but they're not taking the steps that we're giving them to take and it becomes um when i see the name on the phone it's like i can't answer this or my husband he remember he were a mutually beneficial relationship he protects me he says cindy that's not healthy you need to you need to have a boundary here and so I do and that's hard for me to do it's really hard for me to do to put a boundary up but I do when I need to because it's not healthy for me it is a, a dangerous soul tie for me so but it's very simple I make the boundary I keep the boundary I know that I'm free and I walk in freedom and I don't walk in guilt I walk in freedom so that's a parasitic relationship and the last one is that I have on our list is a toxic relationship a toxic relationship is characterized by behaviors on the part of the toxic partner that are emotionally or sometimes physically damaging to their partner for example um, blaming a lot of blaming going on um, arguing pettiness maybe um, it seems like whenever you're with that person whatever you say they argue with you say white they say black I've had that relationship in in my um, professional life back when I was a teacher there were people there was especially one I'm <laughs> thinking of very clearly who I don't know understand why but we completely butt heads and every time I would see this person I just the look on her face it was like she didn't like me for some reason and when and we we worked together um, uh, in um, the special ed process of of helping children a lot I was the general ed advocate 
and she was one of the special ed advocates. And whatever I said, she disagreed with, always. It was one of these toxic relationships. And you may have something like that. It may be somebody that gives you emotional ultimatums. So whatever you say, there is a, well, I'm going to leave you, or I'm going to hurt myself, or I'm going to whatever. You know, and there's almost this uh, ultimatum or this, this threat that can be a very toxic relationship. So, gaining freedom. Gaining freedom. Got a bunch of things I'm going to share with you quickly. The first one is to, you may need boundaries. You may need healthy boundaries, and you may need to keep those boundaries. So a boundary is setting balanced emotional and physical limits in relationships. Boundaries include clear expectations and limits for others and for yourself. Boundaries include creating a healthy distance between you and another so that you don't become overly enmeshed or overly independent. If you don't establish boundaries when needed or have if, or if your boundaries are very inconsistent, it has the potential to set you up for these soul entanglements. There's a really good book, and again, this is another huge topic that could be many, many teachings, and I'm not going to go there because that's not my, I'm not qualified in any way. But this is a really good book. It's a Christian written book about boundaries. And one of the, it's called Boundaries. It's by um, Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend. And I was reading some of the um, quotes on the back, and this is just one of them. The contents of this book have had a life-changing effect on my wife and me. Boundaries does not offer temporary relief, but points a person to God and his ways for the ultimate cure. So it's a really, it's, I've, I have uh, read this book, and it's a good, if you're, that's a, uh, something you need help with, you might want to get that book. So another strategy or suggestion for gaining freedom from these kind of entanglements is to pursue life-giving symbiotic relationships that will set you up to fulfill your destiny. If you don't have any healthy relationships, you might need a person and you might need to look at yourself too. Am I going to be healthy for that person? And if I'm not, what do I need to you know, God help me to be that person because you don't want to be a parasite. You, you want it to be mutually beneficial. But ask God. Pray, ask him, say, God, I need this kind of a life-giving relationship. It might not be in your marriage. It might, you know, not be in your family. It might be somebody outside of your family. The next suggestion is to be intentional about filling your mind with God's truth. When we look at those first two scriptures about the gardener, he gardens us. God gardens us. He cultivates us. He nurtures us. He waters us. He fertilizes the soil of our heart with his truth. So we need to be intentional about filling our mind and meditating on his truth. So what does the Bible say about how God sees you in Christ? As we go to his word and meditate and study on what God says, that's powerful, and, and fellowshipping and learning from others, mentors, like that symbiotic friend, facilitates the renovation of your soul. 
surrounding yourself with believers, fellowshipping and learning from others. It's powerful. Another suggestion, pursue joy. Pursue joy. If you have toxic relationships, you could probably use a little joy in your life. So pursue it. Make a proactive decision to rejoice. Joy, praise, thanksgiving, and counting your blessings create supernatural inroads for God's spirit and his kingdom to manifest. But if you do the opposite, if it's all the, the yucky relationships and the self-pity and all of that bitterness, you're opening the door for havoc in your soul instead of health in your soul. So pursue joy. And as part of that pursuing joy, seek and intentionally spend time with people who are joyful. I've been spending a lot of time with Mary Lou. Where did you go, Mary Lou? You're hiding. There she is, right back there. I've been spending a lot of time with Mary Lou because, as you know, um, she's going through a season, kind of a hard season in her life. She lost her husband about six months ago. And this is key in Mary Lou's life. She realizes that she needs to be surrounded with people who are joyful. And one of the conditions that I have with Mary Lou is that we're going to be joyful. We have fun. We do dinner together. We've been doing um, you know, a lot of church events together. And we're going to be joyful. And if she's feeling a little down or whatever, we don't talk about it too much. If we do, we pray about it, we speak against it, and then we get, get busy being joyful. So surround yourself with people who are joyful. And it has made all the difference in the world. All the difference. Pastor Tim, who knows Mary Lou, says, I am amazed at what a change I've seen. I'm just amazed. Well, she's been surrounding herself with people who are joyful. And the next one, the next point, she's also doing this. Ask yourself what brings you joy and then make time in your schedule to do it. She's found a new hobby. She's, she's crocheting and she's going to a crocheting ladies group with her daughter and she's really enjoying it. So find something that, is jo- that gives you joy and do it. In my life, I love cooking. It gives me joy. And when I have time, I'm in the kitchen and I have my praise music on and I'm just creating something because I love to do that. It brings me joy. So find something that brings you joy and do it. The next suggestion for gaining freedom is to pursue God's presence. Now listen to this. Too many of us are waiting around for something that you already possess. If you're a born-again believer, you have the Spirit of God in you. If you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you, have, you are empowered within and upon by the Holy Spirit. You carry the presence of God with you. He's always with you. This is something that I've been just helping Mary Lou with. When she's feeling alone, I'm saying, oh, you're not alone. <laughs> it might seem like you're alone, but... Stop believing the lie. Because according to God's word, you are never alone. He has not ever left you or forsaken you. You have him with you all the time. So speak it out loud. You're not alone. And where God's spirit is present, strongholds surrender their grip and every type of bondage loses its power. 
Start proclaiming that over your life and see destructive soul ties fall off. John 1.5 says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. So start speaking that over your life. The light of God is here and it displaces darkness. Go to work and if there's that toxic person that's all around you, say, oh, but light's in me. The light's in me. I'm not going to let that bother me. And that's, what, and that's what you do. Put up your boundary. Be cautious. Don't let it in. Don't let it come in and take up residence here. Focus on Christ. Put your eyes on Jesus. And allow Christ to captivate your soul. I want to, well, first let me read Isaiah 26, 3. You will keep in perfect and constant peace the one whose mind is steadfast, that is, committed and focused on you, in both inclination and character, because he trusts and takes refuge in you with hope and confident expectation. So God says he will keep you in peace when you are committed and focused on him. It's just the byproduct. When you are focused and you're committed to be focused... On Christ, peace is the result. That's the opposite of entanglement. So we're going to look at two ways to focus on Christ. And these two ways basically encompass your life. The first way is to enjoy his company wherever you are and whatever you're doing. At all times, you can be God-conscious and mindful of his abiding presence. Proverbs 3, 6 has been unveiled to me even more within the last month. The scripture says, it's very common scripture, in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. That word acknowledge is the same word that we looked at um, earlier in the New Testament um, when we talked about knowing your husband, or knowing your wife, and that intimate knowing. So it means knowing intimately. The word acknowledge means to know intimately. It, it means interaction, exchange, and encounter. So this scripture literally means in all your ways, Encounter him. In all your ways, interact with him. In all your ways, connect with God. So that means that God wants us to interact with him, to encounter him in every facet of our day, of our life, of every season. He wants to be a part of it. He loves to connect with me when I'm cooking dinner. We talk all the time when I'm cooking dinner. I praise, I always have praise music on or a teaching on or I'm just praying in tongues or something. But we're connecting when I'm cooking. You can connect when you're at work. Many, 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 many times when I was really busy at work. I didn't do it 24-7. But throughout the day, little, little snippets of God time. Every time you go to the bathroom, you can connect with God. You can connect with God throughout every facet of your life. One thing that I've noticed in Kent over the last um, year or so, he's been working with Adam, 
um, building a, a music studio. And we have been consistently praying about every little facet of the project. So whatever it is, he might be installing a door that day. He might be laying tile that day. He might be whatever that day. But whatever it is, we give it to God. We pray in the morning a lot. He prays every morning, and very often we pray together. We give it to God, and what is happening is that God is doing the next part. It says, and he shall direct your paths. And that literally means to make crooked places straight and rough places smooth. So the second line is the outcome of the first line in this scripture. God directs our path when we let him, when we know him and interact with him in every facet of our life. And the cool thing with Kent is that Adam is seeing it. Adam is witnessing it, and Kent tells him. I mean, he, he says, yeah, Mom and I prayed about that. And it just all comes together. And he's had favor from man and favor from the township and, and extra help free and all these things that have been coming together because we're choosing to let God be part of that project. So we can enjoy Christ's company all day, every day. We can be God conscious and mindful of his presence 24-7, but also, also at other times, it's important to pull away and focus on God alone and have that one-on-one -on -one time with him. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Have that time where you're just, just pursuing his presence one-on-one. -on -one. So the, the last thing that we're going to do, we're going to be moving into ministry now is we're going to be using our authority, because we have authority as believers, to simply break soul ties. If there have been toxic relationships where part of that person has invaded your soul, and the way I, the way I picture this is a screen. Think of a screen on a window, and the, the, they're very, very tiny little pieces of wire that are all together, and so tiny that a mosquito can't get through. Sometimes our souls are knit together in an unhealthy way like that with somebody else. So what we're going to pray is when we sever these toxic soul ties, those things are going to come apart so that you're no longer bound together in an unhealthy way. And then as you continue to, to feed your soul with all the stuff we talked about, pursuing his presence and being uh, actively putting yourself in joyful situations and pursuing symbiotic, healthy relationships, all of those things, then you're going to be able, that you're replacing the yuck. Okay, so let's go ahead. Kent, when you're ready, you want to get some music ready to play? We're going to pray two separate prayers. This is a little bit different than we've done before. This is just a simple prayer of taking authority and breaking the soul ties off. We're going, to do, we're going to pray it twice, almost the same prayer. We're going to pray it twice. The first time, we are going to be speaking about any sexual soul ties, any unholy sexual soul ties that you've had in your past or your present that have never been broken. Many of us have things in our past that are in our past, but you never know 
but what there's some part of that person, because that's what the Bible says. You become one. And if there's a part of that person that was not part of my covenant of marriage in me, I don't want it in me. So we're calling it severed and broken off, and we're using our authority as believers to break those things off. The second part of the prayer is very similar, except it's for other kinds of entanglements. Other kinds of entanglements, whether it might be issues with um, a work colleague or maybe with your parents. Maybe they have, are overly controlling in your life or whatever that situation is. Any other toxic soul ties. We're going to pray a prayer to break those off as well. And I think I would like to do this with you closing your eyes and repeating after me instead of reading it from the sheet. You can also, the reason I put them on here is because I want you to be able to take this home and do it one person at a time as God reveals them to you. But today we're going to do them collectively. But you probably would want to do each one individually at home. But today we're going to do them collectively. So if you just close your eyes, I'm going to pray and ask you to repeat after me. So before we start, I just come to you, Father God, and I thank you. I thank you for your good plan for the body of Christ to have healthy and and rich relationships and connections one with the other. That that's how you created us to need one another, to feed into one another's lives, to build one another up. But Father, when that hasn't happened, I know that you are the God who heals. So as we come together right now with a new uh, level, I believe, I pray God, a new level of understanding, may we simply choose to believe your word and to tell all this other stuff. It just has to go. In Colossians, I think it's two, it doesn't matter, God, you know. It says that, Jesus, you took our sin and all of the yuck of our life and nailed it to the cross. And we're now free. And when you did that, and when you died, the enemy, the accuser, was stripped of all of his power. So right now, we use our authority to exercise the defeat and the deception of the enemy in this area of toxic relationships or soul ties. So God, have your way. May our souls be freed tonight in Jesus' name. So just repeat after me. In the name of Jesus, I renounce all unholy sexual soul ties within me. I sever any and all ungodly soul ties with all sexual partners and I command that all parts of them be returned to them cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And I call back all parts of myself from them. Cleansed from all defilement through the blood of Jesus. 
Father, I thank you for completely severing me from these soul ties and connecting me to your spirit, your truth, and your freedom. I ask that my spirit man rises up and rules my spirit. And I pray cleansing of my body and soul. I speak to my soul and my body and I tell it, I release you in the name of Jesus from any of the effects of sexual sin. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. And now we're going to pray a very similar prayer to break off any toxic or destructive entanglements or soul ties, whether it was enmeshment or being overly independent, overly competitive, codependent, or parasitic. So again, repeat after me. In the name of Jesus, I renounce all other destructive soul ties within me. I sever any and all toxic soul ties. And I command that all parts of them be returned back to them, cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And I call back all parts of myself from them, cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Father, I thank you for completely severing me from these soul ties and connecting me to your spirit, your truth, and your freedom. I ask that my spirit man rises up and rules my spirit. And I declare healing and wholeness in my body and soul. I speak to my soul and my body and I tell it, I release you in the name of Jesus from any of the effects of toxic soul ties. And I ask you, Father, to lead me into life-giving, symbiotic relationships that will set me up to fulfill my destiny. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay. We are free. If you are in Jesus, you are free. That's what his word says. And if there was any little junk that you were buying a lie of, we, we just did a big, powerful prayer of authority. So we're going to praise God right now because we are free. So can't, will you put on the song? called I'm free. Okay. We're going to close with a scripture, a couple scriptures actually. Listen to this. This is John 9 verse 3. Jesus said, you're asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. There's no such cause effect here. Look instead for what God can do.
And then a few verses later in verse 39, Jesus then said, I came into the world to bring everything into the clear light of day, making all the distinctions clear so that those who have never seen will see. And those who have made a great pretense of seeing will be exposed as blind. So Jesus came to give us vision. He came to give us insight into our situation. So I'm believing we got some insight here today. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit carries on the vision releasing ministry of Jesus. That's part of the Holy Spirit's role is to reveal to us God's plan and purpose for us. Those things called soul ties, enmeshments, codependency, all that stuff, cloud your vision. But God opens our eyes when we let him. God opens our eyes and gives us vision, a vision transition. So I'm calling that over us, a vision transition. Begin seeing yourself as the free person you are. You've not merely tasted or experienced freedom. You are free. So I speak right now, a vision transition. Who you are, who you see yourself to be. I declare you are free. Who Jesus has freed is free indeed. And you saw him on that cross. He paid a great big price for your freedom. So we call you free. Free from anything that has been tangled up somewhere. That you've been root bound. I call root bound souls transplanted into a great big pot with lots of room to grow where all those roots can find a spot to be healthy and whole again. In Jesus' name, vision transition. Producing fruit, producing good fruit, rich fruit, fruit of of the abundant and overflowing life that God came to give you, fruit of the calling on your life being released, fruit of the destiny in your life, whole and strong, Fruit of joy again in your life. Fruit of, of, of uh, that dream that you've been dreaming. God coming alongside you and saying, oh yeah, go for it, girl. Go for it, son. Vision, transition. You are free in him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God is amazing, guys. He's amazing. He's amazing.